I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, the NHL 2021 season is officially over. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning completing a sweep of the Montreal Canadiens. So the Penguins are getting ready for yet another season, and it's going to actually start in October. So we've got a lot to discuss. Uh, we will have a special guest today, uh, the pride of Steubenville, Ohio, uh, a Pittsburgh fan, uh, John Buchigros, join us from ESPN to talk a little bit about his network uh, that will be coming aboard th- this season back covering the NHL along with Turner broadcast. We have a lot of things to get to in the roundtable. Uh, but with Dave Molinari and Taylor Haas, uh, this is Tom Reed, and let's get right to it. Let's get right to what happened last night, the Lightning finishing off the Canadians in five games. Taylor, this is still a really young team. This is not a very old team, and of course they're going to have salary cap issues. Uh, but as you look toward next season, uh, are they the team to beat in the East? Or who, if, if someone's out there in the Eastern Conference, who can it be that knocks them off their mantle? Yeah, I. it's hard, it's hard to say because, like you said, they are going to have uh, cap issues. I mean, right now with the roster they have without, um, you know, any long-term IR, magic, whatever, their their salary, their, their cap hit is $85 million, and that's over the cap already. Um, so this group isn't going to come back the same for sure, but, I mean, the, the core and the guys who are, the, you know, the biggest in um, – you know, like uh, Point, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, those guys who really started, I mean, Sam Coast, those guys are, are going to be back. Um, and a lot of those guys are, you know, still on the younger side or, uh, you know, they, they still have, they're in their prime. So I, at this point, I think maybe I would lean towards them being the team to beat just because they are back-to-back, you know, cup champions. Um, but I, I, they, I think they are going to lose some some depth. Uh, and that, and I, you also have to take into account that the wear of the last two seasons is going to be really tough, and that could be tough for, for a three-peat. Now, Dave, unless uh, Nikita Kucherov slipped and fell and broke his hip in a puddle of Bud Light last night, uh, uh, it will be hard for them to put him on long-term IR again and kind of do what they did. Uh, when you take into account of what Taylor mentioned about some of the financial constraints they're up against. Uh, and also, as you and Taylor just mentioned, uh, the, the, just the, the grind of trying to go at it for a third time. Can they do it, or do you see someone else uh, representing the East next season? Well, I mean, I, I think it's premature to make any firm pronouncements because, you know, there is going to be so much roster turnover all around the league, you know, in, in coming weeks, you know. Um, you know, there will, there will be a lot of trades. A lot of teams will have to make moves. 
because of cap issues. You know, uh, the Lightning probably has more of them than than most clubs, but a lot of teams are going to be feeling that squeeze. So I, I think you'll see the, uh, you know, the balance of power conceivably shift in any number of, of directions uh, before the start of next season. Right now, I, I'd say, uh, you know, teams that I would uh, be inclined to keep an eye on next season would in the East would be Carolina and Florida. Um, I, I think Carolina is well down the path toward becoming a, a legit contender. And I think what, you know, what the, uh, what the Panthers have lacked primarily is experience. And I think they, uh, they got some hard earned, uh, experience by running into the lightning in round one of the, of the playoffs this year. But the, those are two teams that I, I think uh, could make things pretty difficult for, for Tampa next year the, the, as things stand now. And as I say, an awful lot can change between now and the start of the season. Sure. Uh, given that Taylor, what, what would be a couple of teams that you would look at that are, that are serious threat to a lightning three peat? I mean, back to the first question, I just look, Pat Maroon is under contract for next year. So with the run, he's on three in a row. I, I think <laughs> Tampa, that solidifies Tampa as my pick. But um, it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, Montreal, and I mean, the season they had, um, they had a really incredible season. And you have like Cole Caulfield coming in, you know, full time next season. It would be uh, really exciting to see what um, – you know what happens with them they do have an older group too um you know like weber and price um i feel like they shouldn't lose any i feel like in the expansion draft they're gonna lose jake allen so they shouldn't lose any maybe skaters um uh that that would be my pick for right now but uh they they could uh have another run I, toronto you figure toronto's got to get it together at some point here <laughs> like, but, uh, I, why I why know. do they have to get it together I we just, love we love their suffering yeah but i mean the the personnel they have and i i saw what i i it was a graphic of like the number of series wins since um uh, 0506 and only, i think it was only two teams have none and they're one of them and just it, especially i mean they were bad for a while but like especially as of late um they figured they at least got to make out of the first round next year but uh, I guess you never know, but I, I, I feel like I have to pick Toronto just because of the people they have, but I, I don't know what it would take for them to, to take that next step. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with, I'm, I'm on the Carolina train. I've been on the Carolina train for a long time. I still not sure about the goaltending situation there, although I don't think that's what lost them, uh, the series, but, uh, I think they're, they're a goaltender away from being a, yeah, a serious Serious threat. Uh, Florida, <laughs> even if for me, even a bigger uh, goaltending situation. I, I don't know what you do with Sergei Bobrovsky, guys. I, I really don't. I, I can you imagine him signing that contract and him having the playoffs that he's had already in Florida? You know, people are here gnashing their teeth about uh, you know Tristan Jari's mistakes in the first round last year. I mean, you have a goalie under contract for a long time that cannot play or has not as proven he can't play in the playoffs is is a real issue. Dave, is this and I think we did mention this on the last podcast, but but now that Tampa has won it, 
is is what Pittsburgh did in 16 and 17 as impressive, more impressive, less impressive than what Tampa uh, has been able to do thus far? Oh, I mean, it's really tough to compare because Tampa did it in in such different circumstances. You know, both both of its championships, uh, for better or worse, came during a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, you know, perhaps Tampa Bay benefited from, you know, having a shorter regular season, you know, playing 56 games instead of 82. So there was a bit less of a grind and there, you know, they had a little more of a break uh, between seasons than, than a defending champion normally would. But I mean, that's not to detract or try to take away anything from what they accomplished uh, you know it's it's a remarkable feat in, in the salary cap era even if some people think you took advantage of some loopholes in the uh you know in the in the salary cap rules uh e- even with that it, it's an incredible feat to win one cup uh to win back to back is uh is all the more impressive. Uh, I don't know that it either detracts from or enhances what, what the Penguins did a few years ago. Uh, Dave, that was a wonderful uh, pregnant pause as you chose your words wisely and not mentioned the word circumvent. Um, Taylor. Uh, Too many syllables, Tom. <laughs> uh, one of the things that impresses me about this team, and, and when we look at the Penguins, Maybe you can say Jake Gensel, uh, we didn't, you know, Brian Russ has become a terrific player. Uh, maybe they were the second wave. But what impresses me about this Tampa team that makes me think, uh, you know, they may not win three in a row, but there's a chance to win a couple more, is the fact you have Braden Point coming. If they can get Palat under contract, I think he is uh, UFA after the, this next season. Uh, you have that kind of bridge, that second wave that's still going to be there for a few more years while your your top guys go into their early 30s. Yeah, and I mean, what got Tampa to this point is, you know, a lot of these guys who, you know, these key players, they drafted and developed them themselves. Um, so that's why they were kind of able to put together this core the way they they did. Um, you know, they don't have to overpay in, in free agency or trades. And um, so that that organization, they've just been very good at drafting and developing. So the this isn't just going to run out. Like this this wasn't just a group of guys they assembled in, in free agency. Like like you said, there is like another wave coming up um, of guys in, in their system uh, who could you know continue this uh, this run they're on. Yeah, and, and boy, I can remember back in you know, 13, 14, uh, that group that was coming through the minors, um, and not Stamkos, obviously, but you could see there was a really good group of players there. I think they may have won the Calder Cup. And uh, that, that boy, if, if they got it together, they would, uh, they would go on a run. Uh, uh, quickly with both of you guys, is Andre Vasilevsky, <laughs> and we'll get to uh, we'll get to Nikita Kucherov's uh, argument in a bit. Has he become Dave the, the number one goalie in the league in your in your eyes? 
Well, I, I don't know that he's a clear-cut number one, and certainly in the eyes of the general managers who vote for the Vesna Trophy, he isn't. But he barely isn't. I believe he finished second to Flurry in the, in that balloting. Um, I think he's certainly on everybody's short list. I I, I don't think that uh, you know he's the sole reason that uh, Tampa won the uh, the cup. Although he's certainly a worthy uh, choice as MVP of the playoffs, but I think, for example, that uh, Montreal was much more reliant on Carey Price than Tampa Bay was on on Vasilevsky, just because Vas- Vasilevsky has such a superior group in front of him. But you know, if I had to pick a goalie to uh, start a franchise with right now, he would certainly be the the one I'd be inclined to go with. Taylor, um, Dave raised the name of, of uh, Carey Price. And, and, and as I was watching Carey Price go through the, the line last night, it, it took me back to 2014 with Henrik Lundqvist when he made his one and only appearance in a Stanley Cup final, five-game series as well. They, they weren't the better team. And I can remember thinking back then as he was going through that line, he may never get another chance. Uh, one of the best goalies of his generation. And, and I wonder... Yeah, is is that is that it for Carey Price as far as getting a chance to go to the finals? And if so, uh, for a player that's been so good, how how a sh- how a shame is that 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 he will never end up with a ring? Yeah, I mean that's really tough. He's he's getting older, and I think Montreal, with the players they do have coming up, the the team is still going to be good next year. Now make it to the the final again. I mean that would be very tough. And you don't know how many years Carey Price has left in him. So it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's another, that, that's, I think, I, I re- honestly I really didn't care who won. I think I was rooting more for individual people and like the stories, but uh, Carey Price would have liked to see him win it just because of how long he's been in the league and how good he's been one of the top goalies in the league. Um, but he just hasn't been able to win the cup. Dave, I think you were you started covering the game when they put the red line in, so you have a, a maybe a better perspective. Where does Price fall as far as the, the the guys that you have seen in, in your career covering the NHL, as far as goaltenders and just if you were making some kind of mythical ranking of how good he is? Well, a minor correction: I started covering when they expanded to the original six. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, I, I never thought about where he would fit in on an all-time ranking. I mean, my gut reaction, uh, you know, of the guys I've seen and covered, um, probably top five, certainly top ten. Uh, yeah. You know, guys like Patrick Wy and Martin Brodeur, you know, were pretty in- incredible. And even... Like going back to the 70s, Bernie Perrant with the Flyers was extraordinary. He was probably overshadowed because he was playing behind a group of thugs and ruffians and ne'er-do-wells. Uh, but he was he played some incredible goal for, for the Flyers, in the, especially in the mid-70s when they won their two cups. Um so, you know, there, there have been an awful lot of good ones uh, over the years, but, you know, uh, Carey Price certainly deserves a, a place among them. 
Yeah, and, and of course, in that same era would be Ken Dryden. Uh, yeah, it's a, that's good stuff. All right, as, as you guys know, as the faithful listeners to the 606087 podcast know, uh, each podcast here in the summer, we're doing a little bit of a player evaluation, individual players. And, and today, uh, Zach Aston Reese is who we're going to take a look at. Uh, this past season, played 45 games, nine goals, six assists, 15 points, uh, plus 10. Those are just your standard uh, run-of-the-mill stats on him. Uh, Taylor, we'll start with you. He's part of that really good one. I don't care. I don't know if you call it a third line or fourth line now anymore with Tanif and Teddy Bluger. What did you think of his season? Yeah, I think – looking at these past two seasons, because that line has been together for the past two seasons, when he's not in the lineup, um, you can, you can, you can see the difference. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I see a lot of comments from Penguins fans on, you know, Twitter, or whatever about like, Oh, every team has an Aston Reese. He's easily replaceable. But when, when he's out of the lineup and someone else is in his spot on the fourth line, um, it, it's just not as strong. And part of that is his defensive game. Um, there's there's an advanced stat. It, it's like a it's not you know one of the big ones that you get on you know like the big advanced stat sites, but um, one like on an independent site and it's scoring chance prevention numbers. Um, so who really and, and a, a player's isolated impact on shutting down um, other teams' scoring chances. And for the past two years, um, Aston Race has been the best in the league at that. And like. He, he, Last year, you look at that and it's like, okay, maybe, fluke maybe, but for a second straight year, um, for him to, to be the best in that metric, that's that's insane. And I think that's I, – I, Penguins fans underrate Aston Reese and his defensive game. Um, and he even took strides offensively too. I mean, uh, this season, 15 points. Uh, in fewer games than last season when he had 13 points, he had more goals. Um, but, yeah, just – for what they're paying him, I, I think he was making a million dollars last year. He's a restricted free agent this year, but um, uh, that's that's a great value. Dave, is he someone that's that Seattle would 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 you think would be, have any, have an interest in as in the expansion draft? Well, you certainly should. Again, you know, you you can't view the selection that Seattle will make from the Penguins in isolation. It's you know going to be part of. You know, a 30-man team that, that Ron Francis will be selecting. But if they're looking for somebody to effectively fill a bottom six role, uh, you know, to kill penalties, to be good defensively, um, frankly, I've, I've suggested this in the past. I think that when the power play is struggling when, and they need a net front presence, I would be willing to experiment with him in that role, I think, you know, he's a, a relatively big guy and was a decent scorer in college. I'd at least be willing to give him a shot at that. Uh, so, I mean, I would be shocked if at the, at the very least, you know, the, the Kraken doesn't at, at least give him serious consideration. I think he would be a, a, a good addition to just about any team. Yeah. Uh, good stuff here, but we're just getting started on the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, in our next segment, we will talk about shirtless men, <laughs> men in floral shirts, and uh, a lot else. Uh, stick with us, and we're also going to have the John Butchergross in the third segment from ESPN. 
Uh, so stay tuned and uh, hope you stick with us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And a little bit earlier, we, we were talking about uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, going back to back with a one nothing win last night. He ended up polishing off the overmatched Canadians uh, four games to one. And I dare say the most entertaining and newsworthy uh, thing that came out of last night came after the game when Nikita Kucherov uh, showed up for his postgame press conference, uh, swinging Bud Light from a can, uh, appearing bare-chested with more body hair than George the Animal Steel, and then just proceeding to f- start flaming people, uh, flame the Canadians uh, fans for celebrating as if they had won the cup when they did win game four back in Montreal, basically said your cup was happened when you beat the uh, Golden Knights. Uh, even poor Marc-Andre Fleury was not spared at the expense of uh, his teammate, Kucherov's teammates, uh, Andre Vasilevsky, who he thought should have well, obviously, thought should have won the Vezina Trophy. Uh, <laughs> there were plenty of bleeps. It was like a Chris Rock uh, album. Uh, and I guess the question is, I'll start with you, Taylor. Is this uh, good for the game? Is this entertainment? Or is this uh, in a sport where everyone likes to think of guys as being low-key and humble, uh, crossing the line? I love it. And I think that kind of attitude you're talking about, like, you know, everyone needs to be low-key humble. I think that's why uh, hockey is definitely a, a fourth in popularity as far as leagues go in North America. It's because you don't hear, like, the stars, you don't hear from them, like, their personalities. The NHL does a really bad job of marketing its stars. I think if, you know, I think ESPN is going to do a whole lot of good for making hockey uh, cool. Um, I think if, you know, something like, this Kucherov video you put on now, obviously this is uh, an exceptional example. This isn't going to happen all the time. This is Kucherov after they won the cup, um, obviously drunk. Uh, but it, it, something like this, I think if you put it on ESPN, um, 
and he's not a nobody. He is a, he's one of the stars. I think you put that, you know, on TV and get, you get more eyes on it. People are going to look into, okay, who is Nikita Kucherov? Um, and why maybe, you know, get interested if they weren't before. Uh, I, I think, I think it's awesome. I thought, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, to Taylor's point, it did seem like something you found it everywhere on social media this morning. And certainly I know I was looking at it late last night. Uh, that this was, this is one of those moments again, either. I don't know how, how you feel about it, but it was everywhere. It, it was more than just the normal hockey fans. Uh, good for the game, bad for the game. How, how do you fall on this? Well, I mean, as a reporter, I've always been in favor of players and coaches and team executives, uh, being candid, speaking their minds, saying, uh, what they actually think. Um, but I don't know if I'm an executive of the Lightning or the National Hockey League that I'm particularly excited to see one of the most prominent players uh, in the NHL, you know, make a drunken fool of himself. Uh, you know, I, I don't see w- what is gained by, you know, insulting the fans in Montreal. Um, you know, wh- what's the point? Uh, you know, this, uh, should have been a, a moment for, uh, you know, for Kucherov to be, to be basking in an incredible accomplishment by his team rather than seeming intent on, on, you know, on settling petty grievances that he might have with, uh, with people from other teams. I, I mean, I, I think it's an embarrassment for the league, whether, you know, whether it, uh, markets the game to, uh, a certain group of people or not, you know, I really can't say. Yeah, he did go all Frank Costanza there with the, his airing of grievances. Uh, he did, a- after that, he did kind of like look off camera to the PR guy and he was like, that was a long answer. And he's like, hey, he's like, I've been holding all of, he's like, I've been holding all of this in all season because I guess he doesn't talk a whole lot during the year. Um, he, well, did. He, was, he, well, he was, he didn't play, right? He, he was, uh, well, even though, even, even like during normal circumstance, like I think he's not much of a talker because I, I, uh, he said at the end, because if you watch the full video, we put it on our YouTube, it's like six minutes long. Um, but he said something like, uh, he, it, it was after the fourth question was asked and he was like, wow, we're setting an effing record here for questions. What is this five? He said, I normally only take one or two. So that I, I, I haven't seen many Kucherov interviews, but this sounds like he wasn't, uh, somewhere. Uh, yeah. Somewhere, uh, Phil Kessel's smiling. (laughs) Uh, It was, yeah. You know, I I will say this, and and Dave, I I I know where you're coming from, and and you do raise good points of why he had to insult the Montreal fans. But I do think it's fun to see that side of players, especially after they win, because so many of the quotes, and you guys know this, you guys have covered. Uh, championship teams. It's like, oh, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. And it's nice to see somebody let their guard down. And I, and I think the most, and this guy lets his guard down all the time, but I think the most uh, human we ever saw Alex Ovechkin was when he was like doing angels, snow angels in that fountain <laughs> after they won the cup. It's like, this is, this is what it's supposed to be all about, right? As long as you're not, you know, harming anybody, you're not getting behind the wheel of a car that kind of stuff. I think it was fun. I, I enjoyed it, but I do understand. I do, as, as Dave mentioned, uh, Dave separated himself nicely from the reporter who likes to get all the juicy and fun stuff from where the league stands. And that's what they want. 
but I always like to say the E in ESPN stands for entertainment. And and were we not entertained? Well, there is there is an exceptional moment in like the Canadians press conference uh, when like Weber and Carey Price talk together, and I think like. Like, I don't know the question was to Price, but, you know, Price talked about how he wasn't good enough in the series. And then, like, Weber interrupted and, was, and said, like, no, it wasn't. it's not on Carrie, it's on us. And, like, that's nice to see and all, but, like, that's you put that on TV. I don't think that's doing a whole lot for growing the game. That's, I think that's, that, what, that's yeah. kind of what we expect, right? That's that's kind of what we expect in the NHL. Well, they even run that commercial, what is it, We Not I, right? Yeah. You always see that commercial. At least I know on NHL.com. You watch the games. It's just that commercial is run. You just want to poke your eyes out. You see it so many times. You uh, know, if you, if you, if you really ahead. want to bump up the viewership next year, why not have them play naked then? <laughs> you know, <laughs> if the idea is simply to, you know, appeal to the lowest common denominator, you know, go for it. Don't, you know, why, why halt it? Uh, you know, pointless, insulting language. Let's uh, let's do full frontal. <laughs> This is going to be a great segment for Dave, though, because we've got more good stuff coming up here. But but let's move on to a, a little more of a serious topic. Uh, as part of, uh, as, as, as fans know, every final, usually, a big major event, uh, you do get a chance to talk. Uh, the media does get a chance to talk to Gary Bettman. Um, and he was asked about the, the upcoming uh, 2022 Winter Olympics, which are going to be held in China, uh, if all goes well, we hope. Uh, and will there be participation by the NHL? They had kind of said after they skipped the 2018 that they would commit to 2022 and 2026, of course, at the time, not knowing what was in store with the global pandemic. Guys, if I look at this from – if I'm a Pittsburgh Penguin fan, I am hoping that they don't go because you know Sidney Crosby, being Sidney Crosby, uh, the golden boy of Canada w- would feel obligated to go at age, but yeah, I think it'll be 34. Malkin, we know, would probably want to play for Russia and Putin at age 35. Going halfway across the world uh, in February, Taylor, am, am I am I wrong on that kind of thinking there? Yeah, I mean, the concern you're talking of is really the same concern the league has is about you know like the health of the players you know one of one of the big issues with sending the players like from the league standpoint is like insuring uh you know like insurance in case you know uh players do get hurt and that is a concern um i guess with some of these older players on the things that you're talking about uh you know if the league does go that olympic break it could benefit some of these guys if they don't end up going but i don't know i think Crosby Malkin, this might probably might be the last time that they can go to the Olympics. Yeah, uh, you'd think so, so. Yeah, so from that standpoint, um, I don't know. I think it's hard to to say like, oh, I you know, like I hope they don't go, even if you're a fan, because um, I I don't know. I think that stage, I think both of them deserve to have to be on the world stage again one more time um, and have a shot at him. I'll be so. I'm, I'm as, as a soccer fan, and this happens all the time in England with your club team, in my case, Liverpool, and the international team. I'm selfish. I don't want my guys going because I know one of my guys is going to get hurt and miss time when he comes back. Dave, I'm not even worried about Crosby and Malkin getting hurt. I just would rather see them take two weeks off than, than, than play. Now, I understand, and Taylor brings up a great point. They want to play. They have pride in what they've done. 
both have represented their countries very well over the years. But if I'm looking at this from a, from even just the Penguins management part, it's like, oh, that wear and tear, those two weeks, the travel back and forth, and then we're hoping for a deep playoff run. I, I don't like it from a Penguin standpoint. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know how they could. And, uh, I mean, I agree that both guys, if if given the opportunity, which it certainly seems as if they would be, um, you know, absolutely would, would jump at the chance. I, I think it's, in this case, up, up to the league to save players from themselves. Uh, but I also think that the, the NHL is going to have a hard time resisting the temptation to have a several-week marketing presentation inside a uh, potential market as big as China. Yeah. You know, Good the NBA point. has made incredible inroads there, uh, apparently has generated a lot of money, and I'm sure that the uh, the NHL would like to get a slice of that pie. And, you know, having your best players perform there for a couple of weeks would certainly seem to be a, uh, a good step uh, from a business perspective in that direction. I do think it would be terrible for the, the players who would have to participate, particularly the older ones, but I'm really not sure that the league will take that into consideration. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I, if I were a betting man right now, I, I say they don't go. Uh, just because they're going to, you know, I mean, boy, just you, you look what's going on right now in Japan and the, the, the Summer Olympics are a couple of weeks away, uh, even closer than that. There's a state of emergency there with COVID concerns. We'll see how this all plays out. Uh, but my bet is they don't go. But the points that Dave brought up and uh, just the marketing to go to, a, to China is, is, is extremely valid. Now, Dave, going back to your first point earlier, you want to if you just throw these guys out there naked. Now, if you looked at if you follow if you follow Taylor Haas naked at the Olympics, no less. <laughs> Taylor Haas's Twitter posts. I mean, a, a nice little floral top uh, would also be good. Taylor, uh, you win Twitter yesterday for this this uh, <laughs> picture of uh, the, the the pride of Nova Scotia. Uh, Sidney Crosby and uh, McKinnon dressed with the same shirt. Uh, you are a resident fashionista here on 66 to 87 podcast. And for, again, uh, for our listeners, please check out Taylor's uh, Twitter feed and you can get the image of this. Uh, you know, the great thing about a podcast, you can pause right now, go to Taylor's uh, feed and look at this spectacular photo Uh Taylor, even Justin Bieber apparently uh, commented on it. What your your thoughts here? Yeah, well, I mean, I, the picture is so funny because it's McKinnon and Crosby, but they're with Braden Shen and Tyson Berry, and McKinnon and Crosby are the only ones matching. Um, so I don't know. I would love to know whose idea this was. But yeah, it's like a pastel floral shirt they're matching. Like it stands out. I thought it was hilarious. Um, uh, florals groundbreaking. Uh, Bieber commented cute on the picture. Tyson Berry was the one that posted on Instagram. I just thought it was uh, really funny. But uh, McKinnon looks like he needs a tan. Maybe spending they're, they're golfing in the picture. Maybe all this time that's probably good for him. But uh, yeah, I thought that was funny to see from Crosby to <laughs> match with McKinnon in such an uh, interesting shirt. <laughs> Dave, this should be on on a billboard of welcome to Cole Harbor, should it not? Absolutely. But although I, I think that there's a pretty clear winner in which athlete looks best in a floral uh, 
design. Uh, that would be the horse that wins the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think you'll see much. Uh, Taylor, who could pull off in, 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 in the, in the Penguins press box, who could pull off floral? Oh, in the press box. Uh, I would say if you're talking about like men in the press box, I'd probably say nobody. <laughs> I, I was gonna say like I wear floral like like dresses, but like I think that's different than uh, what you're asking. But I would say uh, nobody. <laughs> now, now, what if DK? Had, what if DK had a DK Pittsburgh Sports hoodie in floral design? Oh, God. I, he he. I think he sticks to that gray charcoal hoodie. Uh, <laughs> we we sold we sold him a couple of years ago. I think I don't, I'm not sure if we're still selling them now, but uh, I, I like still have never like, gotten one. By the way. They're great hoodies. Like, yeah, go ahead and rub I, mean, it I don't in. know. If, I don't. I don't know if we're selling them. So that's not like a. That's not like a plug. But like, they're that's the softest hoodie I have, and I have like three or four. Unbelievable. <laughs> Dave, you have this swag? Uh, no, I I do not. And uh, as back to your press box question about the floral arrangement, would that would that be in <laughs> or out of the casket? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Boy, do we need hockey to start back up soon, but uh, good stuff. Uh, and we will be back here in a minute on the six to 87 podcast with our guest, uh, John Butchergross. Stay with us. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back uh, to the 66 to 87 podcast. And as promised, we are joined by the great John Buchigross, the pride of Studentville, Ohio, uh, after Dean Martin, maybe the most famous citizen. Uh, and it's great to have John on here. And I, I think John's probably still smiling from the last couple of weeks with the news of the NHL returning to ESPN uh, this coming season. They will share it with Turner. Uh, and, uh, John, Linda Cohn, Steve Levy, some of the guys, probably Barry Melrose, have been the kind of the keepers of the cup there at ESPN, and, and now they've got it back. John, A, how happy are you about this? And B, uh, what can fans expect in this upcoming season regarding coverage? Yeah, it was, it was great news. You know, we kind of saw it coming maybe even a year or two out. We thought we'd be involved. We thought the league wanted it. We heard the players wanted it. And um, then eventually ESPN, as the world has changed and the uh, kind of the media model has changed and people cutting the cord and streaming services popping up and ESPN starting their own streaming service and ESPN Plus, uh, that gets 
you know, networks and corporations into a investment and buying mode, which is good for us who are in the business and as workers. And so, you know, they're making an investment, a pretty big investment for ESPN Plus. They want to try drive those subscription numbers. So there'll be 70 exclusive games on ESPN Plus. So I'm sure there'll be some, you know, 64-year-old Penguin fans who are going to sit down to watch the Penguins and Capitals and find out it's on ESPN Plus, and they're going to call their son or daughter and say, what's ESPN Plus, and how do I get it? And so there's going to be, there could be some uh, interesting phone calls uh, in a couple of months in October when we get underway. So, But overall, obviously very excited. It could be a good career extender for me, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I hope to be involved as much as I can. Now, will you be doing some uh, play-by-play as well? I hope so. You know, that, that's what the press release said. I haven't really had any kind of uh, <laughs> intimate discussions with them yet. So um, I did throw an idea their way about a weekly, kind of a weekly televised podcast, something, you know, something like what we're doing now, but maybe uh, televise it, put it on ESPN Plus that can live all day. So any hockey fan who wants to kind of review the night before and preview the night coming and uh, maybe have a guest and talk about the gambling aspect and and just to, and maybe have it live on ESPN audio as well as a podcast as people drive around their cars or go to work. So I, I did have a couple ideas there and then maybe you know maybe some intermissions as well pregame postgame. Um, so yeah so it's still they're still kind of sorting through that but yeah the chance to do play by play you know growing up around the Pittsburgh area and being a huge sports fan first Indiana. And then I moved to Steubenville when I was 11, um, it, you know, growing up with Bob Prince and Mike Lang and, and just, and all really all the Pittsburgh anchors. And uh, that, that's always what I wanted to do. And now a chance to call an NHL game would pretty, it would be a pretty big deal. Yeah, I can imagine. And growing up in Steubenville, uh, pirate fan, I think Steeler fan. Uh, did you like the Penguins or did you have some family ties that kind of took you in another direction to another club? Yeah, my dad and mom were born and raised in South Boston. And so they moved out to Pittsburgh in their mid-20s to get trained to become a Sears store manager. And they lived in Newcastle. And then, like I said, my dad got his first Sears store in Indiana, PA. And about every eight years he would move, uh, first Steubenville and then up to Warren, actually, for his last few years uh, to be a manager of a Sears store up there. So uh, he was a big Boston guy. And obviously when I was five, six, seven, the Bruins were you know Stanley Cup champions um, when I was four, and then again when I was six. I don't remember those, but certainly I remember listening to games on the radio, the Westinghouse broadcasting system. You could listen to Boston WBZ, Clear as a Bell, obviously KDKA, uh, KMOX in St. Louis. You could hear these stations like they were uh, on your phone. So it was that, that was a I really I kind of invented hockey in my imagination, listening to these games mm-hmm. and going to Pittsburgh once or twice a year for a game. Usually a Bruins game, but not always. We went down to Johnstown once. I saw the Johnstown Jets. Remember, my dad took me down there, and there was a bench clearing brawl. So hockey was always part of it. But yeah, I, I'm kind of a Boston Pittsburgh hybrid. My, my dad had Steeler season tickets, so I was a huge Steeler fan. And they're like the last team I still kind of act as a fan, where I yell at the TV and I get excited. The other ones is kind of as you meet people in the business, you start to root for friends and people you meet. And I don't quite have the same fandom in baseball. And uh, and hockey and basketball as I do for the Steelers. Although as I left Pittsburgh, I did suddenly get sentimental, and I kind of certainly when the the Penguins were in the Cup Finals and the playoff runs the last decade, I always root for them, and uh, and I want them to win. John, as uh, someone who's a lover of college hockey and someone who grew up near Pittsburgh, what are your thoughts on the Robert Morris hockey saga with you know the school cutting those programs? 
Yeah, I don't have much faith or confidence in anything to do with universities uh, at any level, whether it be athletics or education. Not a big fan. Um, I, and so I'm not never surprised when something like that happens. Obviously, it, it's upsetting. We want the sport to grow and have opportunities for men and women to uh, continue their education. Um, you know, maybe one in a while a, a, someone from you know Robert Morris will go on to play professional hockey but for the most part it's just extending those high school teenage years when sports are so important you can't quite cut it off so you make that natural progression from high school to college and uh, keep the dream alive keep playing and uh, so yeah I hate to see it um, the sport has been slow growth now we're kind of in this thing where programs are getting canceled we're adding we're kind of one step forward, one step back almost right now in college hockey. So it's disappointing. Again, not surprising um, the, the way colleges and universities operate. And it's uh, kind of disenchanting for me. Yeah. And he, you're big on hockey Twitter for the Bucci Overtime Challenge. And for listeners who don't know what that is, if a game is going into overtime, they tweet with the hashtag, you know, they pick who they think is going to score the, the goal in overtime. Just how did that start? And how many entries do you typically get per game? And do, do you scroll through all those mentions yourself or do you have help? <laughs> no, it's a one way <laughs> operation. Just me. I have no help. I have no assistance. Um, yeah, it's the game we played back at ESPN when we had hockey. ESPN lost hockey in 2004, and you know, we'd be sitting there on the set. The game would go to overtime. Our show, NHL Tonight, would follow the game. So me, Barry Melrose, and Ray Ferraro would throw a dollar on the set, pick a guy in each team, and if your guy scored, you'd take the other two bucks and start the show. Just a way to kill time. And when I, after I joined Twitter, soon after I joined Twitter, I just remember that game. I just threw it out there. And, and the prize was just to retweet people. Retweet had some currency back then, and uh, so and I just couldn't believe how it took off. I just every game there'd be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more, and so that's when I said, hey, maybe I'll start making T-shirts and give those away and give people a chance to buy them. And so it's turned to this ten-year kind of odyssey um, thing that's really been kind of fun. It's been kind of an Easter egg in my life where I can kind of design some t-shirts and the college hockey thing came along as well. Kind of give them a brand, some pom-poms, uh, to kind of give their sport a spotlight. So it's been really rewarding to connecting with the fans and giving the game a little bit of a spotlight. Cause I am pretty much a sports center anchor. So that helps, uh, when I talk about hockey and, uh, I know it's just, you know, it's just an accident that, that I have that platform, but it feels good to do that. Uh, John, as a, as a guy who has kind of a league-wide uh, perspective on things, do you think the Penguins are capable of another run at a cup? And, and if so, what do they have to do to make that happen next season? Well, they, I think they definitely do. Uh, they have to get lucky. You know, you have to get lucky. Um, will they decide to trade for Vladimir Tarasenko? Somehow make that happen and put him with Sid, and he scores 52 goals or something. Um uh, you know, will, will they draft someone in the second round this year who becomes a second line player or a top four D? You know, it's you just you, you got to hit in those second or third rounders that become stars. You know, much like the Bruins did with Marchand and Bergeron, not first rounders. Um, same with Tampa Bay with Braden Point. You know, you really got to get lucky and sign the right guy, make the right trade. Obviously, it's a the margin of error is thinner now, uh, but certainly when you have Sid as the hub they certainly could squeeze one more in. There's, there's, you know, there's no doubt about it. Malkin is obviously a question mark. Can you trade him? How do you trade him? Do you want to trade him? Does Mario want to trade him? Uh, what can you get for him? He's got a big number. It's could you, is it just shedding his salary and then replacing him with someone like a Tarasenko or a free agent or multiple players? It's, it's a tough decision 
for Hextall and Burke. You know, it's you got to nail it. You can't miss, really. You got to have a good batting average from this point out uh, to have that run because obviously they're aging. The Bruins are aging. The Capitals are aging. Those teams of the last decade are kind of going to a, you know, moving on a little bit. And so they have to make the right pivot to stay relevant or someone else is going to step forward. And uh, that's what Tampa Bay, why their run could continue because it doesn't seem like anyone else is quite ready to step up. It could be Toronto, you know, certainly with the talent they have, um, but they're kind of capped out. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see. I think Tampa Bay is actually in a good position to keep winning. Um, you met, you mentioned Crosby. Um, as a guy who follows not only hockey, but all sports, uh, right offhand, can you think of another franchise where they had one of the greatest players of all time kind of pass the baton directly to another one of the greatest players of all time in, in their particular sport the way Lemieux did with Crosby? Yeah, it was something. Certainly the way it happened just you know so perfectly at the end. I mean, certainly being a Pirate fan and seeing – Obviously, Clemente be the guy and then obviously tragically die. And then Willie Stargell coming in and giving them 10 more good years and including the championship in 79. Uh, that was, again, growing up, that, that was indelible for me. But, yeah, to, to, to have that perfect symmetry, like you said, and to have that person also be the owner and, and to be so invested. And he's obviously didn't want his legacy to vaporize like it almost did with bankruptcy. Um, you know, it'd be like going to, again, that's, that's the whole thing about going to, to a college and a university and seeing your, you know, you love going back for homecoming and just to have that school suddenly shut down, which is probably going to happen here in this century more schools as will shut down as our country gets older. Um, it's, it's, it's disheartening and heartbreaking. So the way he was able to save that and to bring someone in and just, yeah, it, that would take some research to really think about, but, um, it, it was, it was poetry. Well, Boo, uh, Johnny, thank you so much. Uh, I'm glad we were able to bring you in today on Jack Lambert's birthday, since you yes. still are a Steeler uh, follower. So you, so you got that going for you. And mm -hmm. obviously, best of luck next season. Again, I, I know you're thrilled. Uh, we know how you've carried the, the mantle of hockey on ESPN in, in all those years that it was away. So all the best to you. And, and that is it for our show for John Butchergross. Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari. This is Tom Reed. We will see you next time on the 66 to 87 podcast.